Man, we talked, that motherfucker turned around, and he got in his set. <laughs> and I was like, bro, leave that nigga alone. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know if a motherfucker know what he's doing. That motherfucker walked up. Like, he, he, he got his going, and it was four niggas bigger than him. And that motherfucker walked up on us, and I was like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> bro, come on. He come wanted too bad. Yeah, he want, he want yeah, to fight. Like, if you want to fight. Yeah, yeah. If you want to fight, I ain't going to fight if you want to fight. Hold up. Limitless. Take a semi-cap, pin in it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a semi-cap, pin in it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Man, welcome to the pivot. This is gonna be a great show because we got a guy who's made one of the biggest pivots more than pretty much anybody who's been on our show. Obviously, we all know Channing, Fred, but we got Errol Spence, the champ. What up? You know, a lot of people think the pound for pound best. I want y'all to lock in, subscribe to The Pivot, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. We want to keep giving you great shows, and so we love your support. I mean, let's get to it, man. We in Dallas, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You're fighting at AT&T. That's going to make it a bigger deal for people around here. You seem to be like... Dallas is Dallas's own. Yeah. But man, let's take it back before that. You in Dallas. Like we play, <laughs> they play football here, bro. Yeah. Cedar Hill, DeSoto, all these schools. Man, how you end up being a boxer? Football was my first love. That's why that's you know, I fell in love with the Cowboys. And then uh, actually my dad got me into boxing, probably like my ninth grade year. It was the summertime. You know, summertime you got a lot of out of time on your hands. He didn't want me hanging out with my friends, you know, doing all whole bunch of nothing. That's how you get in trouble. Hang with your friends, you bored, you know, y'all just start doing stuff. So he was like, I'm gonna take you to a boxing gym. And I was like, I already know how to box. Cause a lot of my friends would be outside, like in the front yard, in the gloves and stuff, hang slap boxing, doing other different things. You know, you, yeah. you gotta get ready for the other people that, <laughs> might, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that might come to the neighborhood or whatever. Right. So we slap box. You know, things like that. And then my dad seen me, he was like, you know, you got a little something. And he was like, I'm gonna take you to the boxing gym just, you know, so you had something to do. A couple of my friends went with me, you know, so we went to the boxing gym, went to a couple. He seen one that he liked. We there for probably a couple of weeks. A lot of my friends dropped out. They're like, it's super hot. They got a running three miles. They got a training in the sun, hot, no AC, none of that. So a lot of my friends left, and I was like, I was, I wanted to be hanging out with them. Cause it's right. summertime, I'm like, man, I'm in the gym. Like, I want to go with them. And I was like, I don't want to box no one. And my dad was like, why you don't want to box? He was like, cause your friends. I was like, nah, I just don't want to do it. I mean, that was the reason, cause of my friends. I like, I just don't want to do it. He was like, nah. He was like, I'm not letting you quit this. Cause you quit this, you're quitting anything. As soon as it get hard. So he was like, you're gonna stay in it. So. He stayed in me, and I just shot out, man. This where I'm at now. When did you know? When did you know you could be Earl uh, Spence? Like, like you knew you were gonna be like a worldwide name. When did yeah. you? What, at what point did you know that? Probably like three years in. Yeah, like two, three years in. Like, I started like watching it on YouTube and just binge watching it. Man, every fight came on. I'm I'm tuning in, watching, just falling in love with the sport. And with me, it wasn't just watching boxing. Like, I was watching the feet sometimes. Like, I watched a whole boxing match just the feet and see how they move or see how a dude react when he get hit with a hard shot and see how, 
how he react or how he maneuver when he get caught with a shot or, you know, see the different combinations like the legends like Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns and all these dudes were throwing and things like that. And I was just falling in love with the craft of it and just just anything that I could I could research or I could look at, I was I was on it. And I just became a student of the game, man. Then I think like three years in, I actually beat the national champion. How Javante Starks. Yeah, I know his name. I remember the name. I beat him and I was like, oh yeah, it's on now. <laughs> I think it's on now. Yeah, that type of passion has obviously landed you here. What type of pressures do you feel? Ah uh, man, it's a lot of pressure. It's pressure with, I say, friends, you know, um, especially family. You know, just everybody wanting something, everybody needing some, um, you know, just expectations of, you know, everybody, especially coming out the Olympics, like, right. you know, I, I am the best guy coming out of the Olympic team. Everybody saying that, you know, the fastest one to win a world title and things like that. So it was just so much pressure to, you know, to exceed what everybody was saying about me and, you know, everything that was in the newspaper and magazines and things like that. So for me, it was like exceeding those expectations. And I got to do it. I got to train. I got to run. I got to. So I was just 24-7. I was, you know, everything was boxing. Everything was boxing 24-7. So that was a lot of pressure. It was just pressure all around me from everybody. Friends too. You mentioned the pressure, but you know, hearing you talk about your dad, I think sometimes, you know, those are narratives in black communities and for black men that I think people have kind of salted the perception. You know, yeah. so, so many times we have conversations uh, with different people. Look, my father's here, you know, and you know he's been able to guide me. But I know something that's near and dear to you are your kids as well. You yeah. know, we got to watch the All Access, and you bring your kids to the gym, and you want to keep them around you. Was it your upbringing and being close to your father that makes you like that with your kids? Definitely. I think that's that's embedded in me from my dad. Just him always being around. Like even my friends, my friends, you know, a lot of my friends didn't have their dad around. So everybody called my dad Pops. Like all my friends like, hey Pops, Pops, like that's his name. And everybody called him Pops. And you know, he just, you know, always taught us the game. We'll be hanging out 13, 14 here. You know, see us out there and tell us about women and, <laughs> right, yeah. and what we were running to and things like that. I wish I'd listen. It <laughs> 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 got me out of a few situations, <laughs> but uh, he was just, you know, basically my confidant. Like even to this day, man, he's just a strong presence. Like sometimes when I'm hitting the bag or I'm sparring, I may I just glance over at him, and it's just natural. I want to see, I want to look and see if he watching me or not. And I work hard or I know if he got, you know, disproof on his face or he not satisfied with something and things like that. And even though like sometimes he'll tell me something and he may agitate me and I'll be like, man, I don't care. But in my head, it's still <laughs> yeah. messing with me. It's like, yeah, it's like, all right, the next day, next yeah, yeah. tomorrow, I'm going to do a lot better. Yeah. So it's just that that presence of, of having a father figure, man, having somebody that, you know, that's like my Superman, you know, regardless, I don't care, you know, he always provided, he always took care of us and, you know, he always in our best interest. He never told me anything or the wrong thing to do. So, so for me, it's always, I want to prove him right. I want to prove myself right, but I always want to satisfy him. 
like even to this day having three kids grown everything else you know money whatever you know i'm still aiming to satisfy him at the end of the day we talked we talked about a number of times like us being successful athletes and then push, like, how far did, did you know what I'm saying? Like, would you have been here if your dad ain't push you when you wanted to quit ninth grade boxing when it was too damn hot? Because it's hot as fucking hell right now. <laughs> <It's crazy. laughs> hell, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get the how, how far is too far when you, when you know what it takes to succeed? You know what it takes to get to that level like we all do. But then you have a kid and you're on, like, that mid-ground of really pushing too hard or knowing, explaining to them what it takes to make it. Um, I think it, it's both. Uh, with I know I wouldn't be here if it weren't for my for my dad. You know, I wouldn't be boxing. I wouldn't even be in Texas. You know what I'm saying? If it weren't for my dad. So, you know, but I think you know it's it's middle ground to it. You know, it's even kill to everything. And um, with a lot of people, you know, they might overly push their son, and sometimes it might push them too greatest. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes, you know, you can push your son away from the sport, or you could just push him away from everything. He just, you know, go crazy or something. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, so yeah, 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 go crazy or something. But, you know, my dad was a guy, you know, like he he pushed me towards it, but he didn't just overly push me where I'm gonna resist from him because he know what type of person I am. So he ain't gonna push too hard because I'm gonna have a little bit of pushback. So he would just push me and tell me, tell me why and explain to me why and things like that. Like even like with me choosing a manager, you know, Al Heyman, you know, he the one that got me with him. Even choosing my coach, Derrick James, he got me with him too. And he basically told me why I needed to work with them and things like that. And we're not going for, you know, the long, the short run. We're going for the long run. This is long distance. We're going for longevity. And, uh, you know, he basically guided me through my whole career. And you know, without him, I wouldn't be here. And that's what I'm trying to install into my kids. That's why I'm trying to be around my kids. It's always like someone older than them telling their kids, you know, how training camp was, or man, how this fight was, or man, your dad was this in training camp, or this and that. But with me, you know, my kids gonna be able to tell the story because they've been in training camp with me. They be around me 24/7. You know, they're around me while I'm eating in training camp and. Oh, daddy gotta go run, or daddy gotta go do this, or they're around me when I'm running around the track, you know, yeah. with me. So they're gonna be able to tell the story. They don't have to listen to somebody else who was there to tell the story. They can tell the story themselves. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful thing, though. Uh, obviously, we all play ball, you know, to, to have an opportunity to be as great as you are in the prime of your career, and your kids get to see it. Yeah. My son was a, a locker room baby. You know, he stayed in the locker room, he was always there, he broke us down on Saturdays, you know, for walkthroughs. And now you get to share, I get to share those moments with him, you know, and, and talk through those things. But when, when you're making that rise through the ranks, and it was extremely quick for you. And I think people started right away saying, okay, he's the one, he's gonna be the, the, the next big thing. When you're knocking folks out, when you are showing that you're everything they believed you could be, was it hard or, or how did you stay humble and continue to be hungry? I stay humble, that's just my, you know, my natural, that's just my, you know, my natural personality. But, you know, I feel like, you know, everybody get led astray a little bit. 
it did get to a point where I was kind of wandering. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was wandering off, you know. <laughs> I was wandering off. You know, you get to that age, you know, making all this money, you think you know everything, you know. People want to hang out with you. Right. You know what I'm saying? You that guy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, you know, I did wander off a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, got led astray a little bit. Started hanging out with other people and, you know, I ain't going to lie, me and Adrian, Bron, everybody, you know, we, you know, kicking it tough, hanging out, having fun, and this and that. But you got to realize, you know, what's going on, you know? And I was like, man, like, if I keep going this route, you know, I'm going to lose. Right. And for me, I always worked hard, though. I might party, have fun, do this and that, but I'm always going to work hard in the gym and just, you know, give my all and, you know, go all out. And I think that's what separated me from a lot of people because I had the talent, but I had the skills too. And I had the discipline when it was time to get in the gym and work hard. But a lot of people don't realize that you got to have discipline when you're not in training camp. Mm. That's the biggest factor. When you're not in training camp having discipline, because you want to be basically not in tip-top shape, but you want to be in subway shape when you get in the gym when it's time for training camp. Yeah. And for me, I wasn't in that type of shape. I probably get to like, I probably like 180, 185, and I was fighting at 147. Mm -hmm. So me, I'd be running in the morning with a sauna suit and then putting on a hot, taking a hot bath, you know, trying to lose weight and running at night and going to the gym, you know what I'm saying, trying to kill myself to make the weight. Lose 40? Yeah, lose like 40 pounds. What, what, oh, happened, what happened that you started to kind of stray and wander like that, though? You know, the somebody money. somebody who had always been disciplined. <laughs> bro, I answered that. I, I answer for you, bro. The money. Because they, yeah. my first check was $588,000. <laughs> when they gave me that, that was after taxes. That was paper check. That was go to the Wells Fargo. <laughs> and the girl behind the girl behind the she glass. She looked at the tech, eyes big, huh? She went and she, and then she looked, and she looked up at me and started smiling. <laughs> she, she was bad, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's me. But, like, what? when was that moment? Like, the money changes things. Like, what was that first check that... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To answer yeah. your question, I, I think it was that first check. Am I wrong? It wasn't necessarily the first check, but you start getting you you really you start getting paid. Cause like I've been like, you know, going out things like that, but it wasn't to the level when it really the layoffs because for me, I was fighting like when I first started, I was fighting like seven, eight times a year. Like I stayed fighting. Like even the amateurs I stayed fighting. But when you fighting Three times a year, you know, that's a long split. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got three, four months to figure out what I'm gonna do. <laughs> and like you said, with all this money, <laughs> I got three, four months to figure out what I'm gonna do with all this money. So three, four months of doing nothing, then it's eight week training camp, then it's be back to three, four months doing nothing. So it's like, what you gonna do, do for them three, four months? And for me, you know, I chose, you know, Dang, I have fun, yeah. you know, and do whatever I do. I mean, I wish that, now I ain't gonna say I wish because I feel like everything happened for a reason. Right. I wish I would have just knew that, you know, it's it's a thin line between things, it's a balance with everything. Correct. You know, and I really didn't, I really didn't balance things out. I was just, you know, going over the top. And then when it's training camp, I lock it all the way in instead of just, okay take it easy, and then go in. Was that morning on October the 10th, 2019, was that the one moment that opened your eyes on everything? 
Yeah, because I don't remember anything. I don't remember anything probably three weeks, like after the crash, and then three weeks on, I don't remember nothing. I don't remember anything. Like my, like everything's wiped out. I crashed and got flown 30 feet in the air and landed on solid concrete. So, you know, for me, yeah, it was a wake up call. Like, man, like the most important thing, just gave me perspective. It really made me sit down. Mm -hmm. It made me sit down and realize that, hey, man, like, you know, all the outside distractions, things like that, is not important. What's important is, you know what I'm saying, family and, you know, people that's close to you and things like that. Cause when it's over, that's all you got. You ain't gonna have anybody else, nothing. So, you know, it made me put a lot of things in perspective and realize that, you know, I'm out here playing with basically borrowed time. Right. So. At any point, did you think it was over? A little bit I did. I yeah. mean, cause I was like 190. Yeah. And then I came to the gym like probably a month and a half after my accident and I hit in the bags and my shoulders were hurting. You know, tendons, hip, back, everything was hurting. And, you know, I had to go to Cleveland Clinic to get checked out, you know, to make sure everything was good and things like that. But, you know, everything was hurting. I was like, man, I don't know if I can, you know, keep doing this. But, um, you know, they assured me that, you know, I could if I wanted to. It was just all about, you know, basically my willpower, my mind. And I'll start watching a lot of Eric Thomas and things like that. And just you know, getting pumped up about that, and let that let that influence me, and get in my mind and listen to rap music, things like that. I listen Eric Thomas and Les Brown, and you know, and just getting all them affirmations and things in my mind, and he was just pushing me to, to strive and keep going. In this sport, I know in boxing you have to be extremely resilient. You know, you got to be able to take a hit, knock down, get back up, keep it coming. So with that accident, do you feel like you can accomplish anything in this sport now, considering? You know, God spared you. Your life is a blessing. Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like, really made me feel like nobody can stop me. Because I feel like if I can be driving how fast I, they said I was driving and I land on solid concrete, you know, getting thrown in the air, I feel like, you know, who can hurt me? Yeah. <laughs> like, who can hurt me? A concrete, you know, could, couldn't break anything in my body. So I feel like a man definitely can't break me. Yeah. So it just made me feel unstoppable, especially going through what I went through, you know, doing the whole process of getting back to it. And then, you know, coming straight out the gate and fighting a guy like Danny Garcia, you know, who's the ex-world champion and, you know, in, in multiple weight class and things like that. I was like, man, none of these dudes can beat me. What happened that night? Like, you said, you, you hit on it, you said you don't remember afterwards, and three yeah. months was... What leads up to it? What leads like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that that pivotal moment in your in, in your life, like what happened that night? You was chilling with the boys, you jumped in Ferrari, you hit it like I actually live in Field City. It's like a you know famous gas station with tacos. And I seen on a security camera like I'm eating I'm eating tacos or whatever, sitting on my car chilling. And then I get in the car, my partner get in the car with me. And, he, and I'm like, where are you going? He's like, hey, uh, I'm going home. He want me to take him home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, nah. I'm like, nah. Too far, gotta, bro. Yeah, you, you grab your bro. Yeah. So he got he get out of the car. Thank God he get out of the car. You know, yeah. He get out of the car. And they said, I just made that turn. My uh, my high rise is like probably like 10 minutes away. Yeah. And they said, I, I just made that turn. And then they don't know what happened. They just see my, my partner seen a whole bunch of smoke. And then they were driving on the same on lane as me. So 
I thank God that they seen the smoke and stopped because they would have ran me over if, if that kept driving. So they was like, I seen the smoke and they just seen me just, just laying out. You watched it on surveillance tape. You say you were just chilling. Yeah, I was just chilling, eating tacos. How long did it take you to actually watch the accident itself? It took me a couple months. What it was took, that like? It was harder at first to watch, and then, you know, I kept slowing it down just to see, you know, if I see myself. Being ejected. Yeah, being ejected or in the smoke or anything like that. But it was hard watching at first. It took me a while to watch, the, watch it, because I didn't want to watch it at first. And then, you know, I finally just, I was like, I'm going to watch it, and just watched it. So now you have this sort of feeling of invincibility. No man can hurt you. You beat Danny Garcia, uh, one of the best in the world. I watched on All Access. You said you did that because you wanted to show people that you was the same fighter you were before the accident. Then you probably get the opportunity of a lifetime. You're going to get to fight Manny Pacquiao. And uh, you have a detached retina. And from what I've read, though, you were actually, were you actually considering fighting with the detached retina? I was considering. I was trying to fight with the detached retina. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, he got swag. He said, me one eye is better than him with two eyes. Yeah. Now, that, that, can't be, that can't be worth it. It was heat of the moment. I've been training probably for like 10 weeks for that fight, and this the week of the fight, and then you telling me I can't fight? I'm like, man, I done lost all this weight. I'm training. I'm, I'm working hard. I'm 100% focused. You know, I got a dietitian now. I never had a dietitian in my life. You know, and now you're saying that I can't fight because of detached retina. I was like, what if, um, you know, I sign off whatever you need to sign off on, you know, make sure you're in the clear 100%. And uh, you just let me fight this one time. <laughs> just, play. just one time. That's just crazy. one time you let me fight, even though it will probably be last time. <laughs> <laughs> like you just let me fight this one time, man. And uh, you know I go get the surgery. He was like, man, I'm gonna tell you, I can't do that. And if you do take this fight, it's more than likely you gonna come out of that fight with one eye. Then, you know, at that time I wanted it, but, you know, now I look back at it and I'm like, nah, like, you know, that wasn't it. That wasn't the right thing to do. At that time, was it coming from the accident and continuing to want to prove that you were the same fighter? Or was it a thing that you like, man, this Manny Pacquiao, it's a huge fight. It could be worth my eye yeah. to get into this fight. Um, It was just heat of the moment. Right. It was just heat of the moment. It was, you know... It was basically fight week, <laughs> and you know I was ready to go. I I really didn't care. That thought of it, like do you do y'all think about that? Because playing ball, like they always tell, any any time you play ball, you go out there you can break it. Be your last play. Yeah. That's what they say. Every play could be, be your last play. Yeah. But boxing, like every time one of these big motherfuckers hit you, like you don't know what's gonna happen. Do you think about that? Do boxers think about that? Nah, nah. I feel like most boxers shouldn't think like that. Or, you know, I feel like the top boxers don't think like that. They don't think he catch me, he gonna knock me out or he gonna put me to sleep. It's like saying, you know, man, if he hit me, he gonna break my neck or something like that. So, you know, for me, it was never about that. It was just about, you know, going out there, being proving I'm the best fighter in the world or proving I can beat that person. But I never thought a, a, a boxer gonna knock me out. <laughs> <You catch me. laughs> that, that thought, though, that thought of like anybody that walks up on me in the world, I could take their ass. Yeah, like for sure. You gotta feel that way to box. 
you don't have to feel that way because a lot of you know boxers that don't feel that way. Yeah, it's a lot of boxers that fight real good. Like fighting scary, but they fight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, they, they fight good. Hey, yeah, they beat you. Yeah, <laughs> they beat you. Oh, but, oh, oh. but I feel that way. Yeah, you know I feel that way. I, it don't matter who it is. That's even you know it can be dude six six. You know I just feel like you know what I'm saying. Mano, mano, I'm Superman. Hey, that's what, hey, that's what we were talking about though, because you said every time you fight a big person, like one one of these big boxers, they can hit you. Yeah. This dude ain't big. No. And so you know, I'm talking. You like, you know, you were out in the club. You know, you having a good time. <laughs> this aerospace, this is off season. He probably like 175 then though. You know what I mean? He stepped on my shoe. I might feel, I might feel some type of way. Yeah, that might be one. And you know, like he said, he woke up a little bit. Like a few days later, I might, I'm probably wake up a few days later, you know what I'm saying, if I buck on it, you know what I'm saying, you know, now I know if somebody hits side step on the J's, oh, nah, dog, it's good, you man. Good, I'm, big homie. You want to eat a drink? <laughs> you, you, you good, big homie. Yeah, you good, you good, big homie. By the time you step in the ring April 16th against Ugas, it would be 918 days since your last fight. How do you stay ready? How do you stay prepared? A lot of tape? What, what's involved in the process? For me, it's, it's staying in the gym. Yeah, it's been 9 to 18 days, but since I got cleared from my eye surgery, I was in the gym working. Like, even when I did have my eye surgery and I couldn't do nothing, because I didn't know a lot of things that you do involve your eye. Like, when you lift weights, push-ups, anything, you know, that's strain on your eye. So I had a bubble in my eye, so I couldn't do nothing. All I could do was walk. So basically, I just I just kept walking. I walked, like, some days I walk 8, 10 miles. You know what I'm saying? Just making sure that I stay on it because I was like, you know, this is the once in life opportunity for me. I got a, another chance. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I'm giving my all this time. So I'll just stay walking. And I've been training every day, you know, with my coach and just, you know, focus on the task at hand. It even got to a point now where, you know, it got to a point where I wasn't even watching boxing at all, like on YouTube, none of that. Like, it got to a point where I wouldn't. I wouldn't watch none of the fighters I used to watch, none of that. Like now, I'm all the time I'm watching, you know, Terry Norris or Ray Leonard or Floyd or, you know, Chad Dawson, something like that. You know, I'm watching it now. So it got back to the point where, you know, I'm back studying boxing, I'm back, you know, making it implemented 24-7 into my, you know, regimen instead of oh, sometimes or or no, nah, I'm not gonna do it at all. So, you know, I feel like that's the, one of the main factors that it's embedded in me now all the way. So when it comes, it's, it's not going to be in the ring rust or anything like that because I've been in the gym and I've been working. Who set the schedule? Derek? Now, nah, basically, I set the schedule just how I feel. Mm-hmm. If we train at 12 and I don't feel like training at 12, we're going to train at 2. Okay. We're going to train at 3. You know, I feel like you should work off your body and how you feel. Like, I'm not going to just... I always push myself. Like if, I, if I want to run in the morning, I run in the morning. If I don't want to run in the morning, I run at night. You know, so I go to you know how my body feels. Yeah. So you mentioned you know watching all of these great boxers, and one of those boxers was Floyd. And I listened to you earlier speak about your work in the gym. That even if you was hanging out or, or doing something, the work in the gym stayed pure. And we've got to hang around, and we had him on the show, you know, before. And listening to you talk. I kind of get that same type of feeling that no matter what's going on, when it comes to my business, right? Because you are a business. When it comes yeah. to my business, I'm always going to handle that and take care of that. Is that something you learn from Floyd or from people like Floyd? Is there any relationship there when you look at him that that's someone you would love to be in the ring? 
I mean, I've always been a hard worker, but, you know, just seeing, you know, his motto is hard work, dedication. As much as he may, you know, do other things or you may see him with all these women and cars and things like that, you know, a lot of people forget that they do a workhorse. Anybody that talks to him be like, man, Floyd work hard. He one of the harder workers I ever seen. I feel like just being in his training camp, because I've never been around a professional boxing. And I had just turned professional. I was like 2-0 at the time. And I got invited to his uh, training camp to spar with him, things like that. I think he was getting ready for Robert Guerrero. Just being there with him and just, you know, I'm just watching, I'm like a sponge, I'm soaking up everything, you know, just to bring it back home and implement it in my game, especially when I get to that top level. So this is my first time seeing how Floyd trained at a 12 round fight and he's training like, like he dead broke. Like he need a pair of drawers or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he, he trained hard. And you know, that's the most thing I got of him. That's what I respected out of it. It don't matter what was going on. He was gonna get his work in regardless. Oh, he's gonna get his work in before anything else that was going on. And boxing Floyd at 2 0. Cause now you at 27 0. Yeah. But at 2 0, like when you got in there with Floyd, because Floyd our boy, we was with him, we was with him yeah. up last week when I was hanging out in Miami. Like when you when he started throwing, was you like, oh, <laughs> like it was different, you know what I'm saying? Like this man fit fit in over, you know, like you two and oh he fit in over. Like man. when he started throwing, were you like, well, damn, this shit different. I ain't gonna lie to you, I'm like that for real. So it was <laughs> it was like I was in the in the gym, I was chilling. But once I got in there, everybody started hitting on the hitting on the mask. Like they called it the doghouse, so everybody hitting on the mask. So that just triggered like a Something in my head, like just a competitive instinct in my head, it was like, oh, it's on now. We went like five, seven minutes, one round, things like that. We going at it. So I get out the ring. He look out the ring, he say, you all right for a bitch? <laughs> 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 and I ain't heard him at first. I say, I say, what? He say, you all right for a bitch? I say, man, I say, what? I say, man, you got me messed up. I say, man, put your shit back on. I say, matter of fact, turn off the clock. I say, we can go to somebody drop. And then we get in there a spar for like eight, nine more minutes. We get in there a spar, and then he was like, all right, that's enough. But I think I already respect, at that time, I think I already respect. He was like, all right, this, this, this kid ain't no pushover. Like, he don't care. You know who I am, cause everybody just was like, "Man, this is Floyd, man, chill." That's how he talk, like, that's how he talks. Y'all, he's not about to talk to me like that. Like, <laughs> you made the champ tap out then, huh? Nah, he said, "All right, that's nah, enough. Let, nah, let's get to it." Nah, I make a tap out. <laughs> nah, but I think I already respect though. That's man. love. Like, like he respects me. He like, yeah, like, he a dog. He like that for real. So, what, what's your mindset like? I mean, um, I saw something that uh, talks about horsing. Yeah. You know, your farm, and you saying it's therapeutic. As a matter of fact, I think he had, you have a special horse, a white one, uh, uh, named Ferrari. How did that, you know, you got it on the anniversary of your uh, accident. Yeah, right? man, on my accident. Like, talk about that a little bit. And she white, too. My Ferrari's <laughs> white. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I feel like, yeah, horses are therapeutic, I feel. And I did research on it, and, you know, it states that you know, they are therapeutic. A lot of people that, you know, go through traumatic experiences and things like that, ride horses and have foreign animals and stuff just to cope with it. And, uh, you know, coming straight out of my accident, like, I ain't never driven horses. I ain't never touched a chicken, goat, none of that. Like, no ranch. I'm a city boy, no, right. <laughs> no ranch, none of that. And I was looking for something basically to 
to get away from. I was trying to get away from, you know, the city life, that you know, because I was in high rise. I'm right there in the middle of everything that's, that's going on. So I was trying to get away from it. So I'm on Zillow looking at different places and I see the ranch and I tell my mom, like, that's that's what I want. Like, she's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I want. So I go out there, I get it. And then my friend already, he trained dogs. He already had horses. And he used to always tell me to get into the horse thing. Man, I'm not into no horse. I ain't never touched a horse. Like, I'm not messing with anything that's bigger than me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, nah, man. Like, actually, I rode his horse. I went out in the pastures with the horses, me and the horse. It was just a, a different feeling. Like, I felt, you know what I'm saying, more open. And I was just more chill. You know, I was just thinking about different things. And, you know, I just fell in love with the horse and then I ended up getting me a horse. Then I ended up getting me like six more horses. And now I got a horse now, but I don't know ride his name Moon. You know, he do competition and things like that. And he works some bread doing his thing. So, you know, it's a dope feeling. I got chickens now that I hang out, yeah. you know, but chill that, with the chickens, feed you. the chicken. Yeah, it helped me a lot. It's a chicken. A horse. It's, it's a, bro, you have, you have an old McDonald's, you old McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. like, like, how did that help you? Like. Man, I can't even explain it. Just mentally, I guess taking care of something and just, I really don't know, man. Yeah, I just <laughs> can't a, explain it. It's therapeutic to yeah, wake up and give a chicken some goddamn corn. I'm not even gonna say the chicken. It's it's the horse, really. But I mean, it's just after taking care of the chickens and taking care of the goats, and you know, basically, it gave me something to do with my time. Yeah, yeah. My kids gotta go to school, things like that. So I can't hang out with the kids 24 seven. But having the horses, having things, the other things to take care of, and you know, having to buy hay and doing this and, you know, fixing stuff in the barn and running away to wild coyotes and, you know, <laughs> and the cows and, you know, your horse just had a baby yeah. and things like that. It gave me a lot of different things to do with my time instead of waking up in the morning, I got four or five months of doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. What am I going to do today? Yeah. But you could have named the white one Ghost. You could have named it anything, but you named it Ferrari. It's a constant reminder. Yeah. Like, what was the thought into that? I'm always gonna be reminded of the crash and I wanna be reminded of the crash okay. because I feel like it definitely was a lesson. You know, it's definitely a lesson, you know what I'm saying, for my kids and things like that. And it molded me into the man I am today. You know what I'm saying? It made me more, you know, so tired and made me more chill. And made, I've been chill, but it made me more, you know, be with my family more and just realize that, you know, a lot of things that I thought was important or even if I didn't think was important, but I was still you know, indulging in those things are not important as, you know, having the core strength and being, you know, with my family and boxing and things like that. I got to ask, man, because even even being with Floyd, we talked about it for Floyd, too, talking about sex before a fight. Yeah. Like, how long? And they, these boys talking about something. And if we, we talking to somebody, and they were talking about the whole week of the game, a week before the game, they weren't having no sex. I was hitting something the night before the game. <laughs> if I give me a nap, bro, hit something, get a nap, I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> really, bro, I, I played, I played, I played a good, good amount of time and played well. But yeah, I, I, that, that whole thing. What's your regiment sex-wise? Because I boxers are ridiculous with that. Y'all yeah. got structure. Well, we different because football players, all that. Y'all got timeouts. Yeah, y'all got timeouts. You have time out it. You know, y'all got time to recoup. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Well, boxers, once you get in there. You in there. The only person that can stop the fight is the ref, your coach, 
or yourself or your opponent beating on you. <laughs> so, so you know, it's different. So, I mean, that always been the motto, like, don't have sex before a fight and things like but that. But like, how far? Like me, like this fight, it's been like three or four weeks. You ain't hit nothing in a month? Yeah, probably like, yeah, five months, yeah. Yeah. I beat my meat this morning. <laughs> Damn, that's yeah. crazy. But yeah. it, it, you, you think it really means something, or is it just is, is it physical or psychological that you just ain't do it? I mean, I feel like if it's psychological, then you know it's gonna transfer to physical. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes it had happened. You know, like when I was an amateur, like it has happened before, where like mentally or even sparring, like I did something then. Like my legs are just gone. Yeah. I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm not gonna do that again ever again. <laughs> Cause man, like I said, it's too late. Ain't no time out. When that bell rings, man, so you wanna make sure everything is on point because once you get in there, there's no time out at all. So if it is a chance, you're not trying to take that chance because it ain't no going back. <laughs> ain't no rewinding. <laughs> you get knocked, knocked out for hitting something, yeah. man. It ain't worth that. Yeah. And I think that's what that's what's crazy though. You mentioned there's no Rewinding, we've had an opportunity to talk a lot about about your story, uh, but the guy you're fighting, who took your place yeah. against Manny Pacquiao, your Dennis, you guys, he has a crazy story too. He's yeah. tried to defect from Cuba multiple times. He's been he's been caught and he's been detained and those different things. So this is going to be two men who have had a ton of adversity to get to this point. But bro, you fighting at Jerry's World, April 16th, Showtime. It's going to be stars all around. And everybody's coming to see you. I don't know a person that lives in Texas, period, who when you fight, I don't see some sort of post. I don't see something on their story. What is that going to be like for you? Getting to fight a dude that kind of stole a little bit of your glow, yeah. right? When, when you got injured, you're in your hometown with all those people to support you. I mean, I feel like it's motivation for me. I feel like the Showtime thing, it showed me a lot too because, you know, what happened to him was a long time ago. And, you know, he on there showing his watches and, you know, he got the American dream now. So, you know, is he still hungry as he used to be? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm fresh out my accident, my eye injuries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, I pay, if I pay that, I ain't give a pack out. So, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a lot more grit and hunger with mine because I got the pack out took away from me. You know, I got a lot of time took away from me too off my injuries. For me, it's about catching back up. So, you know, so I'm in a rush. So I'm totally focused and I'm hungry and I'm, you know, dedicated. You're back home, AT&T Stadium, in front of the family, the world, you know, and uh, everything's bigger in Texas. Your preparation, does that change knowing that you're going to be at home? And how do you manage your adrenaline? Because if I'm at home, like, I can right. get overly hype, yeah. you know, you don't want to gas out, right? Yeah. So how does your preparation change or does it change? And how do you manage that adrenaline? Um, that happened to a lot of boxers. Mm -hmm. A lot of boxers lose at home, you know, I think because it's too much pressure. But for me, it's more motivation than anything. Like, I'm motivated. Like, when I'm making that ring entrance and I'm seeing family, close friends, people I ain't seen in a long time, you know, everybody's there just to watch me fight. Right. You know, everybody's wearing they you know, Saturday's best, you know, yeah. just to see me fighting their time, their money, dropping their kids off at the granny's house, you know, just to watch me fight, yeah. you know, that's motivating to me. I can't let these people down. You know, I got to show them and I got to give them their money's worth because they ordering this on pay-per-view. 
So for me, that's like, oh, I'm about to show out. You about to shut the city down. I'm about to show out for real. Like I said, we we, were with Floyd, and I asked him the same question. I was like, when do you know when you're in a match? You feeling your dude out? Because he was explaining to us, like, you know, you feel the dudes out, whatever, see what they got, see what you're doing. Average, when do you know in 27 fights? When do you know, I got this motherfucker? When I hit him and he do something funny. What's like, <laughs> <laughs> so funny? Like, it just, I don't know, certain boxes that they, I, I can see like a certain body gesture, a certain uncomfortable movement when I touch you and you you look a little uncomfortable. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah. Or or if you hit me and it don't like I'm like, oh I got him or oh he ain't even hitting like that. He in trouble. Like <laughs> I'm gonna let something go. You know what I'm saying? So at that point I know I got him when either he touched me and I'm like, oh nah. Or if he throws something, I see it, or he looking, or his body gestures, he all startled and kind of shook a little bit. I'm like, oh yeah, he he in trouble now. Wait till I catch him. Did that take a round, three rounds? Like when when is at what point in the fight is it? Like do you know? Cause it's crazy. Like I'm I, I'm a street fighter, cause I'm gonna jump in there with them. <laughs> I'm gonna jump in there with them here in a second. Yeah. But you know, in a street fight, you, you just throwing, you know, the police coming soon. Like you you got about you got about a minute. Yeah. But what point in professionally fighting another man? Do you see it? Round one, round two, round three, round four. Like, when do you know you? I, I'm better than him. Um, I see it first round. First round, I know. Either first round, I like, oh, this is gonna be an easy night, or it's like, man, this shit gonna be long. <laughs> <laughs> like, you be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have to work for this one. Like, yeah. he, he gonna he gonna work. Right. Like, you know, like you touch him and, you be, and he'll throw by three back. You like, yeah. Yeah, he's gonna be a long night for me, man. This motherfucker been training like me. Yeah, he better, bu- better buckle up. This is a good night. So when you guys go in, I'm sure you, Derek, your, your, your camp, you have your game plan, right? Yeah. How disciplined do you have to be to not, you see something, you're like, yeah. this is different, right? How disciplined do you have to be to take that chance and go off script? I tell Derek, I be like, you know, I see something, he be like, all right. Or he'll ask me, you know, what I see or things like that, or, you know, me and Derek already know, like, we've been training for a long time, so he already know how I'm feeling, uh, you know, if I see something or if I'm going on script or things like that. So he wouldn't just be like, are you doing the wrong thing? Are you doing this, doing that? He'll let me go off script because, you know, I'm smart enough to make adjustments and, and make different changes in our, in our game plan. You know, you gotta be like a Ferrari or a Lambo. You know, you gotta have different gears. You can't have the same thing over and over. If you had the same thing over and over, he might he might get acclimated to your style and then switch it up on you. So you gotta have different game plans. Just you don't know how he's gonna come. I got two questions to wrap it. When we look back at the legacy or the the life of Errol Spence there's going to be one chapter written about everything that happened before October 10th, 2019. That was undefeated, that was a great fighter, could be considered pound for pound, best in the world. When we look at the second chapter, which is everything that happens after, where does that take us? Yeah, I never thought about that. But I feel like, you know what I'm saying, it take people saying, man, you know, no matter what happened, you know, through all his situations, you know, all his trials and errors, you know, things that happened in his life, you know, he always stayed focused, you know, he always stayed close to his family. 
even though it got hard, you know, it made it, it drew him closer to his kids and his loved ones more than anything. And he always been focused, never been deterred or anything like that. And, you know, he always stayed strong. And, you know, he always battled adversity. And, you know, even if I don't win against adversity every every time, I tried. And I gave him my all. So, you know, for me, I feel like, you know, people gonna still say, you know what I'm saying, I'm one of the best fighters in the world. And they gonna say I'm a great. First is all about money. I didn't understand that until, until a few years ago. It's all about money. And then it's all about legacy at the end of the day. Do you look at it like that? Do you look at, at your life as pre-accident, post-accident? Because a lot of people do. A little bit. I feel like my mind frame and things I was doing and things like that, and it changed a lot because I feel like I was going a little bit off script and I was, you know, getting deterred and, you know, saying making that, you know, wrong turn. And I feel like the crash was a blessing. Like, it's all about looking things in perspective. A lot of people don't look things in perspective. It's not just because it's bad, you know, it might be a little bit good in there. And I feel like the crash really, you know, helped save my career and my life wow. because it put me back on the right track. It's like, it bumped my head. Hey, get back on the right track, man. You, you, swing, you swing a little bit and get me back on the horse. So it got me more, you know, closer to my family. And, you know, it was a time where, you know, I wasn't talking to my sisters like that. And, you know, I wasn't talking family like that at all, you know, and now, you know, they coming over for dinner sometimes and, you know, they come over the house, I come over to their house and things like that. So it kind of drew me back closer to, you know, my core. Well, this is the final question. What about Bud? We ever gonna see <laughs> it? Oh, definitely. I feel like, definitely. I feel like, like I, I've been telling people, I'm getting a third belt okay. with Ugas. This is the third belt. It's only one more belt to get. <laughs> so, so, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You know, every belt I got, I done took from somebody. So this is my third belt I'm going to go get. So it's only one more? I'm, yeah, it's only one more. And I'm not moving up till I get that fourth belt. Well, y'all heard it here first, man. Mm -hmm. Okay, but April 16th on Showtime pay-per-view, I'm going to put on a great fight a great one-sided fight performance <laughs> in front of my hometown fans. I'm putting on the show. I want everybody to tune in. This is lead up to the biggest fight in the world that y'all really want to see. There's one I'm more there. belt to get after this I'm one. There. Man, we appreciate you, my <laughs> dog. Appreciate you. That <laughs> <laughs> is the one people want to see more. Yeah, yeah. Respect, dog. Appreciate that, man. Thing. For sure. Thank you. All up, baby. Man, yeah. big fan, no. real. Hold up. Limitless, biggest in the pin in it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm finna get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Nigga, send me cap in it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm finna get me up. On the